Paul the Apostle was an amazing evangelist and a church planter. He started a movement of followers of Jesus across Asia Minor, through uh, Macedonia down into Greece, people whose identity was in Jesus, people who were filled with the Spirit, baptized in the Spirit, marked out by the Holy Spirit of the living God as the followers of Jesus, and people who were making a difference in the world. Not all of Paul's churches were planted successfully and easily and uh, hit, hit a rising uh, graph really quickly. Some of his churches got into difficulty, one in particular, the church in Galatia, got into serious difficulty early up. And many of the people that he had uh, witnessed to and drawn into a church community were actually giving up on their Christian faith, thinking about walking away from it altogether. And so he writes them a letter, the letter to the Galatians, in which he confronts them and challenges them and calls them back to their identity. And he says to them, he says in the, in the fourth chapter, you are not slaves. You are children of God. And God has given you the spirit of Jesus, the spirit of Jesus sent into your hearts. When I was about six or seven years old, uh, my dad took me to the barbershop in the little village where he grew up. The family were vacationing, we were visiting my grandparents, and dad decided that he'd do a few errands with some of the extra time that he had while on holiday. One of those errands was for me to get my hair cut, another one was for him to head off to the hardware store and buy a few things. So he parked me in the barber's chair, had a bit of a chat with a few of his old mates who were there at the barber shop, and then he headed out to the hardware store to pick up a few things. While he was gone, I remember sitting, age six, seven, in the, in the booster seat, in the barber's chair, feeling a little bit kind of anxious and thinking, wow, the, none of these people around me, I don't even know who they are, and I hope Dad comes back really quickly. Somebody came into the shop, another man from the village, and he looked around and everybody greeted one another warmly, and then he saw me in the chair. And he said to the barber, he said, hey, Fred, who's this little fella? And I remember the feelings of sort of anxious kind of, you know, th this didn't feel good. And then the barber said, why, this is Billy's boy. And the fellow who just ended the barbershop said, Billy's boy, well, he'd have to be all right. And then everybody in the barbershop joined in this chorus of celebration of my dad and consequently a celebration of me as his kid. Remember how proud I was when dad came back into the shop and felt that sense of connection and an identity that mattered. So it's as if Paul the Apostle has gathered the Galatian Christians and he's, he's, he's put them on the, on the booster seat in the barber's chair. And everybody is in the room, uh, Abraham and the Old Testament witnesses and the prophets who are speaking falsely into Galatia and the political leaders. And there's a lot of hubbub. And, and it's as if somebody says, well, who are these Galatians anyways? And Paul's the one who speaks up and says, let me tell you who they are. These are the children of God. And it's as if he takes the Galatians and looks at them eyeball to eyeball. And he says, God has sent the spirit of Jesus into your heart. The spirit who cries, Abba, Father. And you are no longer a slave. You are a child of God. And because you are a child of God, you're an heir of all of God's power and all of God's blessing. The Galatians are given this picture of themselves, this picture of an identity in Christ, a picture of being a people whose hearts have been baptized
in the spirit of Jesus, whose lives have been filled with the Holy Spirit of the living God, and they are marked out as God's children. And in this way, Paul seeks to call them back to obedience. Is your life marked out by the Holy Spirit? Do you have a deep sense of, of God's love for you because of the work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and through your life? What our hearts need is a baptism, a spirit baptism that sets our identity and drives our life. And this is exactly what Jesus came to do. Would you listen as we hear the word of God from Mark's gospel? John the Baptist appeared in the wilderness, preaching a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. The whole Judean countryside and all the people of Jerusalem went out to him. Confessing their sins, they were baptized by him in the Jordan River. John wore clothing made of camel's hair with a leather belt around his waist, and he ate locusts and wild honey. And this was his message. After me comes the one more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I baptize you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. At that time, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. Just as Jesus was coming up out of the water, he saw heaven being torn open and the spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. John the Baptist had an amazing ministry calling people to obedience to God. But the primary thing that John the Baptist was called to do, was to point to Jesus Christ. And his message was, come and repent and be baptized. But there's one following me who's even greater than me. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. I'll baptize you with water. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. This is what Jesus brings as God's gift to every follower. This is the life-changing power of God at work in us. Water baptism was what John invited people to. It was a, a, a practice that was common in his day. And people would receive water baptism as a symbol of their desire to start fresh. So John had this amazing ministry. He was calling people to get their lives right with God, to get lined up with God in a powerful way. And the text says that all of Judea were responding. People were coming out to the desert to hear John preach, and then they were saying, I, I want to do that. I want to get my life lined up with God's wisdom. And so then he'd take them down into the river. He'd baptize them. It was a symbol. It was a kind of a marker of their deep commitment to God. But then he said this. He said, I'm baptizing you with water. This is an external symbol, a way in which you take a stand, and we all witness it, and we observe it, and we celebrate your commitment. But there's one who's going to follow me, who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He won't just put you in the water as an external marker of your commitment. He will, he will give you God's very power internally to help you live up to this commitment. He will put the Spirit of the living God inside you so that your identity and your capacity to obey the wisdom of God will be secured and elevated in the power of God. This is an amazing promise. And we hear John 
giving this message. Then in the text in Mark's gospel, Jesus himself comes, the one to whom John has been pointing. Jesus is baptized and we see play out in front of us the very thing that Jesus wants for all of us. Jesus is baptized and then as he comes up out of the water in this expression of obedience to God in water baptism, we see Jesus celebrated by God in the presence of everyone. Mark's gospel says that the Holy Spirit came and in the form of a dove sat upon Jesus and then the heavens opened and God himself spoke and said of Jesus, this is my son whom I love, I am well pleased with him. And this is the glorious moment of celebration around the person of Jesus. This glorious moment of Jesus baptized by John the Baptist, but then acknowledged by God. This beautiful moment is what Jesus wants for every one of his followers. To be a follower of Jesus and marked out as one of his children and filled with his very spirit is to stand in a relationship of love and affection and acceptance with God, the creator of the universe. Imagine what it would have been like to be there and watch Jesus get baptized and then, and then see this dove come from so far above that, that, that it was as if heaven itself opened and, and, and to rest on Jesus and then a voice that thundered out about Jesus, God himself saying, this is my son, I love him, I'm so pleased with Jesus. Have you had a moment like that in your life? Have you had anything like that where you have experienced God's presence with you that dramatically? As if, as if the, the power and spirit and presence and love of God descended on you and you felt it and you knew it and you experienced it. Have you ever, have you ever had a moment where you've known God's love so profoundly as if heaven were ripped open and God spoke your name and spoke of his love for you and spoke of his pleasure for you and his deep acceptance of you. This is what it is to be filled with God's spirit. And this is what Jesus brings to all of his disciples and what he wants for us. He wants us to follow him and obey him, but he wants us to experience the filling of his spirit. That's why Paul says to the Galatians, as he's trying to reset their identity and call them back to hope and to fullness, he says, God has sent the spirit of Jesus into our hearts. The spirit that cries, Abba, Father. The spirit that responds to God's love and knows the intimacy of God in this communion of discipleship. Not just, not just a, a commitment, I'm going to do better, and a water baptism that marks it out and I'll try my best, but something that is deeply spiritual, amazingly, amazingly refreshing from the inside out. It's as if we've been labeled at our very core as the children of God and empowered to live out that vision. Jesus wants to baptize you with the Holy Spirit. He wants to flood your life with the presence of God. And in that you will experience his love and grace. And every, every human being's experience of this is different. 
Some have a deeply emotional experience. Some have a, a, a cognitive, intellectual uh, experience where things fall into place and there's a surprise of the joy of God. Some people experience physical transformation and healing. Some people experience a deep sense of calling into mission and into power. But what God wants for every one of us is to secure our identity as his children and to fill us up with his spirit. I'd like you to hear another passage from scripture. We've just read from Mark's gospel at the beginning of Jesus' ministry. Listen to these words from John's gospel. At the end of Jesus' ministry, after he has died for our sins, risen from the dead, and now he appears to the disciples and he gives them this gift of Holy Spirit. Isn't that a wonderful moment? Jesus appears with the disciples and says, peace, be, be calm, don't be anxious. I, I am with you. And, and then he shows them the evidence that he is the Christ, the Jesus they knew, risen from the dead. And then he commissions them. And he says, as the Father has sent me, I'm, I'm sending you to do God's work in the world. And then this strange little sentence, it says he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. It's, it's, a, it's, it's a fascinating little moment. And, and it raises the question, why would Jesus breathe on the disciples and say, receive the Holy Spirit? That little picture makes powerful sense when we understand that John's gospel is modeled on the creation narrative. And as some have observed, John's gospel is the new creation story. The Gospel of John begins in chapter 1 with the same words that open the book of Genesis in chapter 1, in the beginning. And then in John chapter 1, all the themes that are there in the creation narrative that opens the Bible are paralleled. John speaks of light. He speaks of life. He speaks of the separation of darkness from the light. He speaks of God's spirit and he speaks of the creation of something new. John's gospel is a new creation gospel. God is doing something brand new. He is marking out a people for himself. He is creating a place for his kingdom and he is calling us into this mission. And so that moment when Jesus breathes on the disciples is a picture of what happened in the Garden of Eden way back at the beginning of the biblical story. God took clay and formed human persons, but then he breathed his life into that clay and they became living beings. They became humans with an independent will, made after God's own image and made to be loved by God and to love God and to serve God's purposes in this new creation. Here we are with the disciples in a room with the doors locked. Their hopes have been crushed. They've witnessed the, the, the death of Jesus. They're lost. They're broken. They're like clay that is decaying into dust again. And Jesus comes to this room. He reveals the truth about himself. He calls them into a new identity. 
He calls them to be his followers and to be on mission with them. And then, just as if it were the creation moment all over again, he gathers up their broken clay cells and he breathes God's power and life and spirit into them afresh. It's a new creation moment. It is as if these disciples and the church and those of us who are followers of Jesus are made brand new in Christ Jesus. Have you had a sense of this in your life? This is what it is to be baptized in the spirit, to have your heart filled with God's spirit, to have God put the spirit of Jesus, send the spirit of Jesus into your heart so that that part of you, which is spirit, that part of you, which is, is, is willful and, and independent of everything around you, making decisions, that part of you, which affects your intellect and your emotions, can actually be filled up with God's spirit, filled up with the very spirit that animated the person of Jesus. That's what that little picture means. As Jesus breathes into them, it's a new creation moment. So often in the church, when we are gathered, we have moments where we witness this reality. We experience the life-giving spirit of God in wonderful ways. There's prayer followed by healing. There are people responding to God's love and making commitments. And it's not just a water baptism. It's a spirit baptism where something on the inside changes. And there are, there are changes in the way people express their witness and live their lives. We see miracles. We see changes in emotion and changes in thought pattern and changes in social connections and changes in the very way we posture our lives. So can this happen when we're in isolation? Can we experience the fullness of God's spirit and the filling of God's blessings in a season like this? I think we absolutely can. One of the things it's good to remember is that Jesus' closest moments with God were when he was alone. The moments when he would experience God as his Abba, Father, were the moments when he chose to be in isolation. And the moments when he was most filled up and most equipped for all that God would call him to do were those moments, those seasons, that he set aside to be with the Father. This is a wonderful time for all of us to experience this way in which God marks us out as his children and his followers, to open ourselves afresh and to let God put the spirit of Jesus in our hearts and respond to that fully and claim the fullness of our identity and expect, expect there to be consequences and results, changes in character and in behavior, responses of healing of things that are broken in our lives and a newness, a brand newness of life through that breath of Jesus that transforms and changes us. What our hearts need is spirit baptism, the very spirit of the living God, the life spirit of Jesus Christ, our savior and leader, filling up our inner selves. Ask God to give you the fullness of his spirit and the courage to live in that fullness.